Welcome to the second episode of the X-Men Task Podcast. I am Willie. I'm Sonia. And today we are carrying Red along with the next episode, Night of the Sentinels Part 2. And we're picking up right where we left off from the first episode, which was the introduction to uh, the series. Um, and basically, uh, things at the Mutant Control Agency are just starting to heat up. So to me, what's strange in this episode is that Morph dies pretty much right away, like really early on in the episode, and they don't show it actually happening. They like cut to a scene of Jean Grey using Cerebro to find out that he's dead, and then you know the story continues a little bit, and then they use a flashback from Wolverine to actually show you what happened. So they're using this kind of like different type of storytelling with the timeline. And it's only the second episode. It's not like they're like they're they're not like out of material. They're not getting bored yet. They're like they're going right for it with like a strange timeline in their their episode. Well, yeah, I mean they're they're amping up the the drama. Yeah. And they want they want a little bit of suspense about what happened. Right. And um do you know actually why they kill off Morph in episode 2? Is there a reason? Yeah, he's not an X-Man. Then why did they invent him? To no, I, like, I don't what? know if that's the answer. Oh. Um, I think, I think it was, it's two things. I think, well, first of all, Morph not being included in the uh, opening introduction credits should have been a big tip off to anyone. <laughs> I mean, that probably definitely flew over flew over most kids watching the show at the time. Yeah, you never would have paid attention to that. I didn't um, even pay attention to it now. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just said it was the first time I thought of that, but yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. so, I mean, that's the first tip-off for uh, Morph's, um, you know, how long-lasting he would be. Uh, but I think they, you know, it's a, I think it was a sh- they wanted to establish that the show had some stakes, that what the X-Men do... Uh, is generally not safe. I don't know if that's a, a message they're trying to impart to children that, hey, kids, don't try this at home. You could die. Mm. Or you could end up like Beast, arrested and electrocuted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think there's several reasons why they got rid of Morph. And, you know, like I said, he's he's not a real X-Man. Right, So that, but then why have him? It's not like his power played some really integral role in the storytelling so far. It's kind of just a party trick where they're... Maybe they're just establishing the wide world of mutants and what the possibilities are. But they're going to have Mystique later, so it's not like Morph is really needed for that anyway. Well, I mean, you know, Morph's powers are useful. Yeah. I mean, it's but not like a party trick. But they... Okay, but they didn't use it in a... Well, they used it to break into the mutant control base. Okay, but I they mean, could the have found another way to do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they probably the just could have blasted their way in. They yeah. didn't need Morph to knock the guard out. Right. But, I mean, yeah, he's pretty weak. In, you know, he's just a... He's really got very little protection. The other thing is his death kind of still doesn't make sense because the whole thing with the X-Men is that they're very quick on their feet. Something happens and they rush in and, like, they... They can adapt easily to a lot of situations. And Morph, when he dies, he's kind of just, like, standing there. Like, <laughs> okay, he gets, like, <laughs> blasted by the Sentinel, right? But 
instead of like turning to Wolverine and going like, look out, you know. He does say look out. He does, but what he could have done was turn himself into a more powerful X-Man and like oh, right. retaliated like against a large, the Sentinels right like, away. Like a metal like beast or something. Or any X-Man that has like firepower or well, like, I don't, defenses I against mean, Sentinels. That, that's an interesting question. We don't know like what powers Morph can use when he transforms into another mutant, really. He can change his size. I don't know if that makes him stronger than he's supposed to be. Mm. But, you know, to me, the most senseless thing about Morph's death, and uh, this has bothered me in my entire life, and I'm glad I now have the platform to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Morph, okay, so the X-Men, they've destroyed the uh, mutant uh, registration files. They're escaping. Everything looks good. They're all making different quips. Um that's true. They're really punchy with their with their dialogue quips. There. Yeah, Wolverine says, "Come on, we're gonna be late for dinner." Yeah, and uh, Gambit says something, and uh, Rogue is taunting all the uh, like security guards. They're dumping in the river. Yeah, they're re- they're really feeling good on their way out. Yeah, place. yeah, and they're really working as a team. Like Cyclops uh, turns around and destroys. Like a guard tower, yeah. and uh, like Rogue swoops in and makes sure that the guard doesn't die. Like right, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're really they're really functioning in a really. Uh, uh, I mean, they're they're in a they're in a high functioning mode. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, the Sentinels come out of the woods and surprise them, and you know Wolverine's prepared for this. He pops his claws and immediately taunts the Sentinels with one of his lines. Like, you know, prepare to taste adamantium or something like that. And, but, uh, Morph freaks out and feels he has to save Wolverine. He pushes him out of the way, and the Sentinels, uh, all, like, laser blast Morph at the same time, and Mm -hmm. he dies. Yeah. And... (laughs) That's what I'm saying. He's an X-Man. Like, where are his defenses? Okay. To me, that's not the issue. Okay. The issue is Morph's stupidity... In sacrificing himself for the invincible Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Wolverine, who has an unbreakable adamantium skeleton, a near instantaneous healing factor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really hard to kill Wolverine. Mm-hmm. You like, I think it, it was established in the comics that the way to kill him is you have to like sever his head from his body for a long period of time <laughs> like because he has a way something. to yeah he has a way to like <laughs> make his body whatever. like re his head to his uh <laughs> to his torso <laughs> yeah so i mean you know wolverine has been in a nuclear explosion uh, but does Morph know this about him? I mean, Morph they're should. Pals, yeah, but... they're pals. Wolverine Morph... is like new to the X Men, though, ish, right? He's well, like kind of we don't new know. To the F- I mean, X-Men. it seems that Wolverine so... is new to the team. Morph might not know that about him. Morph's trying to like Morph... save his friend. I'm sure Morph has seen in the Danger Room or on other missions. They've clearly been on other missions. I don't think that's deniable. Yeah. Um, that Wolverine, if he's you know shot in the head, the bullet will dislodge itself within a minute from his skull harmlessly, mm-hmm. you know, and the blood will also disappear. <laughs> right. He'll, like, grunt a little bit and then he's fine. Yeah, I mean, and the, and it's it's already been established that a guy like Gambit, who is not super strong, he gets shot by a laser beam by the Sentinels and survives. Mm-hmm. So it's just so stupid of Morph to sacrifice his own life to save Wolverines. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's my first biggest issue with that. And <laughs> okay. 
And it's just it's just so sad that Morph, you know, it's like it's like me pushing Wolverine out of the way to save him. <laughs> you know what though? I wonder if they at that time with this cartoon if they did like you know any type of focus groups or anything with these episodes and just like people didn't like Morph or something cuz the personality they give him actually is not great. His power is really cool, but he's kind of like conniving and he has like an annoying little giggle he, he does and he's like a weird guy. He's like a wise guy. <laughs> I mean, well, I think his weirdness is actually kind of like interesting because he's someone who can change into any person and they show him in the first episode watching TV and changing into every person he sees in TV. Yeah. He's kind of like demented in a weird way. That's what I mean though is like his power is awesome that like kids want to see more right, of that. Right, but it's damaged his mind and but made like, him weird and annoying. Yeah, yeah. his actual he, personality is not Yeah, I mean as a kid, yeah. Whatsoever. As a kid I actually thought he was a weird person. Like I yeah. wouldn't have wanted to hang out with him. Exactly. I thought he was you know, he actually reminded me of weird kids I knew at school. For some... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, but don't worry, he's dead. I mean, does he come back? I mean, we'll find out. Um, yeah. Anyway, I guess we answered our question finally. Right. And then, Maybe. well, what was our question? Why they, why he Oh, why they got off. rid of Morph. I just think it's, I think it was just the, I think the writers of the show wanted to establish a certain tone. Okay. They didn't want to make it a seem real high stakes. Scenario. Yeah, they didn't want to make but it also, seem that like a weird, annoying character. So, well, I, I think that's incidental. <laughs> I think that's just your personal thing. Okay. Like that, you're not so into. You were happy to see Morph die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't go that Me far. personally, I I, <laughs> I felt bad for Morph. All right. Um, and then uh, you know, and also in this uh, climactic fight, um, Beast is captured. Yeah. That's Which a real is sad. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reasoning there actually was reasoning for this. I read about this was that basically the writers of the show were told to uh, to not focus on Beast as much. They, Why? I don't think he tested well as a character. Huh. I don't think the network liked Beast, so they put him in jail for the. You know, Beast ends up in prison for the most of the first season. Yeah, I know. That's a shame. I always liked that character. Yeah, and he and the and it turns out the writers really liked him too. They love writing all his little quips and everything. Yeah, he quotes Archimedes in this episode. Well, because they give him a some really other philosopher endearing <laughs> personality. He's like super kind and smart. And I mean, like, Be- yeah, Beast is one of the greatest X Men characters in any form in the comics, yeah. on TV, in the movie. Well, I mean, the movies didn't really do him so much justice. No, well. He's I mean, much younger again. Same as with Rogue, right? right. In the movies. Well, I was like thinking of the Kelsey Grammer. And... Oh. Well, in X Men Three, the you know it was cast yeah. well. Kelsey Grammer is like the perfect guy to cast if you want to portray the cartoon beast from this show. Yeah, right. That is like the ultimate casting. Yeah. Um, and then the guy they had for the other movies, Nicholas Holt. Yeah. He's pretty good, but he's just like the young beast. He's pretty good, but like Beast is supposed to be like. A little more when he's, like self possessed. In, yeah. In, in the newer movies, he's kind of he's he's a little. But also the physical presence, like in the cartoon, Beast is really like he's as wide as he is tall, basically. <laughs> you know. So yeah, <laughs> in like, the movies the they don't really beast, yeah. like this lanky guy that yeah. Like, the, he's a little too small. He's not. Which I think actually makes a difference, like in how you perceive him as a, a character. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, I agree. 
But, they didn't quite hit the mark on that beast. But again, the timeline is different. It's like decades earlier. Yeah. So. Well, actually, I mean, in X Men Apocalypse, <laughs> like two decades have technically passed since we first met Beast in X-Men First Class. Right. But, you know, of course, because those movies were made within, like, five years of each other, the actor did not age. Yeah. <laughs> he aged from, like, you know, age 25 to 30 or something. Right, so. essentially the same. Right. Um, okay, so, I mean, so poor Beast. So yeah. Beast is left behind. And then this leads to my... It's probably the best scene in the entire animated series. I'm going to go out on a limb in the second episode um, we're doing. I'm not going to I'm not gonna second that, but go ahead. Well, I... I, I've, <laughs> I'm convinced. All right. They get off the Blackbird. They've retreated, and Wolverine is furious. Um, Cyclops gets off the plane first, and he's kind of sad. Um, he's just made a tough call of leaving Morphin Beast behind, and then Wolverine, you know, shouts out to him. He's like, "Hey, Cyclops!" And then Cyclops is like, "I know how you feel about it, Wolverine." And then Cyclops takes an enormous punch to the stomach from Wolverine. Yeah. And then... Cy- and he's like, next time I'm going to use the claws or something. Right. Because they're having this like, whole heated argument right. about it. Cause- next time I use these. Shink! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Cyclops is ready to blow him away with his optic blasts. And then right. Jean comes in and, and breaks it Defuses up. Defuses it. That is an awesome scene. I love that scene. It's amazing how intense it gets between those two characters right there. <laughs> and then you see uh, Wolverine asks Jean, like... You know, like, uh, Soldier Boy left them behind. Morphin Beast could still be alive. And then Jean Grey breaks it to Wolverine that Beast is alive, but Morph is dead. Right. And she goes to cry, and, and uh, you know, Wolverine wants Jean to cry on his shoulder, on his weird shoulder pad <laughs> things. <laughs> but instead she cries on Cyclops' shoulder because they're, like, engaged or something. And you see, see yeah, weird shoulder sleeves. The power could have really combined. Yeah, but and then you, you see Wolverine is completely annoyed by that too. That compounds his tragedy because he loves Jean, and they introduce that element right there. Yeah, and um, Gambit tries to console Wolverine, but he's he's not going for that. Um, and then to close out this amazing scene, uh, Wolverine goes to the X Men garage and uh, destroys Cyclops' car. He makes it into a convertible and drives off. To uh, to stew in his misery, mm-hmm. and um, and I just like that that scene too also establishes the X Men uh, garage of many cars <laughs> and motorcycles, <laughs> which is another thing they I put thought in you were going to say the love triangle of like Cyclops, Jean Grey, yeah. and Wolverine. Oh right, that too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Also, all the fabulous vehicles that they right. own. So I mean, that was like a really uh, emotionally heavy and intense scene. And, you know, I think uh, it was a little unfair, uh, Wolverine blaming Cyclops entirely for a couple of reasons. One, if you watch the episode closely, which we just did, um, Cyclops is trying to fight off all the Sentinels. He's blasting them all away, and he's kind of getting overrun, but he's not retreating or quitting. But Storm flies in and says, Cyclops, we got to retreat, and she physically take Cyclops off the battlefield. And, you know, I guess at that point Cyclops realizes it's a lost battle. Yeah. So uh, she's just as complicit in this decision, which is kind of interesting. Well, they she... all are, is the thing, because, yeah. like, Gambit and Rogue gets hurt, right? Gambit carries her out, and then as soon as no. all the Sentinels show does, up... Does she? Y- yeah, he, Gambit carries her out at first, 
And then as soon as all the Sentinels show up, she's like feeling better. She's like, oh, gotta go. Too many of these guys. And oh, right. She, she flies, flies Gambit, Gambit out. away. Right. Yeah. Storm you're right. flies Cyclops out. Yeah. Like, they're all re- they're retreating. Yeah, <laughs> Wolverine's they not really quick. There's like so many Sentinels and they're in danger, so right. they get out of there. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, and I just wanted to point out too that Storm is also technically the co-leader of the team as well. Mm. She's second in command, um, and that's something from the comic books. It, at that time, when they're making X-Men comics, Cyclops was the leader of what they called the Blue Team, mm-hmm. and Storm was the leader of what they called the Gold Team. And those comics were split between regular X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just another nerdy side point. But anyway, and then Ro- – so what happens is Wolverine's going to bust back into the forest and take on Sentinels and rescue Beast and Morph. But Rogue stops him. Uh, she absorbs his power, which is the first time we see that. Mm-hmm. Or I guess she doesn't absorb his power. She just kind of knocks him out by touching him. Well, yeah, she absorbs his power, but then she... It's well, I mean, that's she not the point, it, right, right? Yeah. It's she, like she, she knocks him out. She has to absorb his life force right. so that he can't yes. barge in there and get himself killed. And, you know, to me, that's another point where I feel like the X-Men, they really chickened out. And I, I also side with Wolverine again. <laughs> Wolverine, like I said, he's invincible. You know, he could go in there and defeat, I think, 15 to 20 Sentinels by himself. <laughs> I don't think he'd have any problem. He's also had, like, you know, 150 years of tactical soldiering experience. He's fought in, like, five wars. He's been a secret agent. Uh, he, <laughs> I think I think he could bust in there and rescue two guys. He's probably done it dozens of times in his li- various lifespans. And I don't think the X-Men understood just how good Wolverine is. Mm-hmm. And that must have been really frustrating to him of how... Uh, he was stopped by these losers. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm all about Wolverine, like, going in commando solo style and rescuing his his friends. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So, you know, after that scene, Wolverine essentially, I mean, he doesn't, like, outright quit the X-Men, but uh, Cyclops seems to think he's quit. Well, yeah, because he takes the car, he gets out of there, right, yeah. and he's at some bar playing pool, right. getting himself into trouble again. And we see Wolverine in his first street clothes. Yeah, that's Ding, right. ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> and Cyclops. Yes, and Cyclops. When he comes in, and right. he's not even wearing the visor at that point. No. He's got, like, the sunglasses. The awesome sunglasses. And... Which I've tried to find. I've tried to find red sunglasses just like those <laughs> in a million stores, they and I could... I, well, I mean, they might exist somewhere. I've just never found them. Yeah. I've tried searching them online too i can't find them you know right so i want the 90s style i don't want some like newer style i want those specific with almost like hexagonal you know like cut cut away there uh-huh whatever that, that might <laughs> that might be the reason you haven't found them right yeah well but um yeah but anyway we see wolverine in street clothes which are become his, his those are pretty much his standard street clothes for the rest of the series some kind of like the flannel or plaid jacket. Thing. Right, yeah, and like with the furry collar yeah, well, and his he's jeans. he's like a Canadian mountain man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, his Canadian mountain man, like, bar-going outfit. Yeah, yeah, they have to establish that. And Cyclops wears his, like, like slick Tom Cruise <laughs> clothing, you know. Right, the, the, what is that, like a blazer Well, it's got, like, khakis. With, like, the sleeves rolled up. Yeah, he looks really cool. I, I think, like, I think all the X-Men have pretty good street clothes fashion. I, I'm guessing Professor X lets them use his credit card and go shopping 
which is what they presumably do all the time. When we in the first episode, they're just at the mall buying things. <laughs> so right, you know, and they're like, living it up in Westchester. Because, well, they don't have to make yeah. money. Professor X is a billionaire. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm sure he played the stock market <laughs> or something like illegally to get a massive fortune. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, we don't know about that. Um, so yeah, we see Cyclops in the street co- clothes and. And the point of that scene is Cyclops has to convince Wolverine to rejoin the team by proposing a different mission. Not a rescue of Beast, but uh, an invasion of where they're actually manufacturing the Sentinels right. so in it's Detroit. Like a revenge of <laughs> they're doing it in a, like abandoned car factory. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's more like a revenge mission. Right. And, and that really it intrigues Wolverine. It totally works. Yeah. Cyclops knows just how to recruit him. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to see them patch it up a little bit there. Isn't that weird, though, in the bar? Like, the guys that uh, Wolverine is playing pool with, mm-hmm. they get into this, like, altercation right. with Cyclops also. And they lift off those sunglasses that we talked mm-hmm. about, and the laser beams start shooting out of his eyes. Yeah. Can't he just close his eyes? Yeah, Does but he... choose he... not to close his eyes because he wants to pose a threat to, like... That's a good question because he taunts them at first. He says something very cool like, you wouldn't uh, hit a man with glasses, would you? As right. if he's expecting them to remove his glasses. Yeah. But then they do and he kind of freaks out and destroys everything. Yeah. And Does um, he not have control over that? Are the laser beams too powerful for him to be able to like close his eyelids? You know, that's a good question. I, I mean, in general, he has no control. This, if his eyes are open, just f- even like a fraction of like a millimeter, uh-huh. the laser beams come out. Uh-huh. Uh, he has to, His eyes have to be slammed shut for them not to come out. Uh-huh. So if it happens really fast, then yeah, maybe they'll just come out real quick. And hmm. But I mean, I don't know. That, yeah, I mean, it's like, come on, Cyclops, close your eyes right away the second you're... <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. They, like, he's in this bar destroying things. I'm yeah. like, get it together, man. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're right, though. Maybe he did it purposefully to, to scare these guys. Yeah. These, like, these uh, toughs who... They, uh, interesting, they established that these are humans that hate mutants. Right. You know, they're ready to, to beat up Wolverine because he's a mutant freak. Right. But they also... And one of the guys... something to him about, like, how he's he's got, like, a hairy face or something. Yeah. And yet, like, you look at, like, Wolverine's face and it's like, he's got those, like, long sideburns. The chops. But that's it. And well, Wolverine guys, has fangs. But the guys themselves... He does have fangs. Okay, but they're not talking about his fangs. They're right. talking about his hairy face. Is that what they say? Something like that. And then, like, the guys themselves have, like, full, like, like b- shaggy beards, beards yeah. and... Yeah, yeah those, guys, those guys are taken directly out of, like, Easy Rider. <laughs> yeah. They're, like, former hippies. And one of the, the actors doing the voices sounds just like Jack... Uh, Nicholson. Nicholson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that, that's kind of, like, a weird uh, reference. Um, very bizarre. It's like a, yeah. It's an but anyway, we get interesting our... Interesting scene, though, because they're, Our like, first taste of human prejudice. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, and then, um, you know, and then the episode carries on. And, you know, some other things, um, we see some interesting details. We meet the president of the United States. The woman president, yes. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And unlike, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, this woman president is very clearly a southerner. Like, she's got a very thick southern accent. Why are you, like, contrasting that with Hillary Clinton? I don't know. Because <laughs> she's, like, the other almost female president in our reality. Unlike Margaret Thatcher. Well, I'm just saying, Hillary Clinton... This woman has a southern accent. Right, yeah. Unlike Margaret Thatcher, who's a British woman, 
This woman has a very uh, deep southern accent. She's very matronly and... Um, she's not matronly, I don't think. No, I guess you're, you're uh, right. She's got like a... Maybe she has like a matronly attitude. I don't know. I think she's a very reasonable human being. Well, wait, that <laughs> that's questionable. Well, she is... She she's the one that calls for like the Sentinel program to be shut down. But she kind of authorized it in the first place. So maybe she didn't know what it was or the but, full extent. I mean, of it then in the that's just place. like she was not doing her job because their plan <laughs> was to make like you know eighty foot tall robots that are. Uh, but actually, she doesn't say anything about the Sentinels. Now that I think about it. She says to shut down the mutant tracking program. So it's possible she but, says the privately run mutant tracking program or something yeah. like that. So it's possible she doesn't know anything about the Sentinels and that she thinks that this guy is just doing some private investigation to track down the mutants and like keep a registry of them and that's it. So when she says like, you know, shut that down it Well the- no, she's shutting down Everything, because in the next scene, Gyrick, who uh, runs the program, tells Bolivar Trask, the inventor of the Sentinels, that the, the government has just shut us down. We have to move overseas. Yeah. And trust me, she's the president of the United States. There's no way she doesn't know about the Sentinels, because the Sentinels, first of all, just destroyed, like, downtown Westchester's mall. Right. And, like, their city blocks. Like, the president of the United States would be alerted to those uh, happenings. Okay, so she and she definitely knows about the Sentinels. choices in the past, but... <laughs> poor choices. <laughs> All I'm saying is she's to me, that's right in this episode. She's like, listen, you got to stop this. Like I said, I, if I was a citizen in this America, I would – I would, in if I would, had not fled the country in fear of the Sentinels, I would be <laughs> on the front lines of the protest movement calling for this president's impeachment, saying like this is the most dangerous president ever to authorize a, a defense system. This or ludicrous. You'd be like, this is oh like my straight God. out of a, car- a comic book. The Sentinels <laughs> that's are what I'm coming saying. after all the mutants. I better not be near any mutants. You know, I think that's like, if it was the real world, like I feel like that would be. The I real mean, if of a you lot know, like a human we saw interacting with a mutant was the guy who owned the arcade that got pissed at Jubilee for blowing up his arcade machine. Yeah. If I was that guy. Uh, and then I saw, I'm either dealing with this little 14-year-old girl who destroys my arcade machine, uh, very innocently, or I'm dealing with a 90-foot sentinel that destroys my place of business Mm -hmm. where I work at this mall. I'm more afraid of the robot. Right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I think she's a terrible president, and, you know, spoilers, it's no surprise she ends up losing the presidency at the end of the season to (laughs) Senator Kelly. So... (laughs) Yeah, but she... In, like, the spectrum of, like, the good characters and the bad characters. Well, she makes right? one good decision, yeah. She, she's trying to shut down the Sentinel program. Like, she's way better than Senator she's Kelly. She's pretty blasé about it, the way she sets it. She does the right thing, but she's not as alarmed as she should be. She's working out in her presidential, like, workout clothes with the presidential seal on them. Uh-huh. In the, she's it, she somehow put, like, a Nordic track machine in the Oval Office. Yeah. <laughs> I guess she really loves to work out, like, right by her desk, which is uh-huh. funny, too. So, I don't know. You're right. She she has a, a, a good moment, but overall, she's a terrible president. It's pretty clear. Country's falling apart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, we, all right. What else do we have for this episode? Um, we talked about uh, the fight between Cyclops and Wolverine and the establishment of the love triangle. And, you know, and basically the episode wraps up. They they go and rescue Jubilee, who got captured again by these, uh, by these sentinel goons. You know, the X-Men, uh, 
they they rescue her and uh we get to see them really unleash their powers against the sentinels mm-hmm. um and you know i think there you know one last thing i'll mention is i think there's some inconsistency with the powers we see on display yeah of course yeah but that's a really uh kind of iconic fight scene yes there at the end like that X-Men music from like the opening credits yeah, is playing yeah, it really and pumps you really you up. see yeah. like each of the X-Men using their powers right. to the best of their ability and Well, it's... I mean, I'll just point out some details like we see Gambit's cards like really destroy a Sentinel. Yeah. Like he falls to pieces where earlier we saw his cards just kind of explode on the surface of their armor. So it's like, you know, was Gambit not charging his cards up enough to begin with? You know, that's yeah, it's one a cartoon. thing. cartoon. What, you want to do physics? Listen, about yeah, it? that's like, why we're here. What, what if, like, in an enclosed space, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's at closer range, okay, and right. so the cards it, have it more could effect? Be range. Uh, I mean, but the same applies to Cyclops. Sometimes he blasts the Sentinels and they're knocked backwards, and sometimes he blows their heads off with one clean shot. You gotta hit the sweet spot. Yeah, maybe you're right. And, and maybe these Sentinels weren't quite finished yet, because they're attacking, like, the manufacturing facility. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's a kid's cartoon. I'm not too bothered. But we do see how strong Rogue is. A sentinel, like, bashes her on the back while she's flying, and she face plants Bugs Bunny style into the cement floor and is, like, several inches deep. And she gets up in two seconds and beats the sentinel up. So she can really uh, take a lick in. That animation sequence actually is really great because, like, she's way smaller than that sentinel, but... They make it look really believable when she like picks one up and like flips it over. Right. Or yeah, that's pretty good. It's really well done. Very well executed action sequence. And then we see Wolverine really uh, carve a sentinel up and just show you how he would have been fine, I think, if he was able to take on you know a bunch of sentinels by himself. <laughs> that's just my opinion. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and that's pretty much it for the introduction of, of the X-Men here. That's the conclusion of the first two-parter uh, that opens up the series. Um, I think it's, you know, in the grander scheme of the entire show, it's a c- total classic. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it, I could rewatch those first two episodes many times, and I have. You know, there's, there's something about... Uh, the best thing about them to me is, like, uh, the quips are totally on point in the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. A lot of the different X-Men get a lot of great lines in, especially Gambit and Wolverine um, and Rogue. Uh, so, Those like... Cheesy one-liners. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like... But it's, like, especially fresh in, like, these first two episodes. Yeah. I think as we see going on, some a little bit of the writing gets duller in that respect. You know, it's not quite as... Um, like, I don't know, it's not quite as sharp as mm-hmm. it is in the first two episodes. So we get that. Um, you know, actually, I noticed watching part two, uh, the animation seemed a little jankier in part two compared to part one. And there's, like, famous stories about how the animation was never really completed for part two or, you know, the, those first two episodes in general. There's a lot of uh, production mistakes and everything. Famous stories, huh? Yeah. They, it, <laughs> yeah, they're really famous stories that uh, I read about in an in-depth New York Times magazine article. <laughs> Yeah, um, so, you know, the animation will pick up in quality as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's interesting to point out is that this, what's another milestone about the show, and kind of unprecedented for a cartoon, and in in a lot of ways a dramatic series for its time, was that the X-Men follows a season-long story arc. Mm-hmm. This whole season is more or less about the Sentinels and the X-Men's fight against them, and that's how it concludes. Mm-hmm. I mean, other villains are introduced along the way. There's other sort of one-off episodes. 
but the overall thread line is about the sentinel threat and uh i think that's that's sort of ahead of its time in its way too hmm. and very interesting to note as we're going to go through here going forward hmm. so i mean that's all i have to say do you have any parting thoughts on uh night of the sentinels part one or two i think you look more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we should just uh, leave it there. But uh, remember to stick around, subscribe to the podcast. If you like it, tell all your friends, rate us five stars, do all that fun stuff. Um, because we'll be back for episode three, Enter Magneto. All right, see you then. All right, good night. <laughs>